Welcome to the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast. I am your host, Chris Schmedeke, and today we are brought to you by Applewood Plumbing, Heating, and Electric. They have been serving Denver residents for over 50 years. They're the proud sponsor of this podcast, as well as the Colorado Avalanche, which we are talking about today, as I am joined by Kyle Fredrickson. Kyle, long time no talk. How you been? I'm doing pretty well, you know, at the practice facility now, watching little kids uh, get their skate on here below me as I get some work done. It's, it's not a bad office, I'll say that. Which is always hilarious to think about where the ass practice is also where right, it's like right. kids playing peewee hockey. But that, that, that's for another day. Um, let's talk about the news of the day, which is Gabe Landeskog was back on the ice today. Um, you talked to Jared Bednar about that as well. So what did, what's your takeaway from that? Yeah, it was a it was a bit of a surprise in terms of the media not knowing when this day would come. But we kind of knew that at some point it was going to have to come. And that's the day when Gabe Landeskog is is out skating during a, an avalanche practice time. And uh, Jared Bednar told us today that today was Landy's first day skating since that knee surgery. And I did a little bit of math looking back and it's eight months exactly to the day that uh, Landeskog had that knee cartilage replaced. And here he is, you know, uh, back skating, doing very light work, but still a a reassuring sign, right? Um, This doesn't do anything to change his timeline for when they expect him back. They've already ruled out this regular season. The playoffs still remain open, but there's a lot of time uh, between now and this spring and summer to figure out if Landeskog's even anywhere close uh, to being ready to play and being ready to play at an elite level when the Avs really need him. But, you know, when you're thinking about where he needs to be to even have that hope, you know, Bednar said that the timeline is is good. You know, Landeskog is, is right where he needs to be uh, in terms of where the team expected him to be as well. Um, no surprises to this point. And I think there's also some reassurance this time around because it's not a guessing game, right? You know, a year ago it was like, oh man, like, is this guy going to be able to come back now? You know, they, they had the surgery, they did the thing that they were hoping to avoid, but Hey, you, you had to do what you had to do to come back. And now he's, he's on this ladder essentially uh, to being a guy who can skate every day and then skate with the team and skate with contact. Uh, and that's really when we'll have a conversation of, Hey, how close is, is this guy to being back? So uh, a long ways out, but it sure looks, uh, you know, it felt nice just to see him back on the ice, you know, just where, where Landis Scott ought to be. You know, do you think it's beneficial for them to even think about bringing him back this year? It's hard for me to say it's he's it not really a long is, time. Right. He's been out a long time. I mean, it's been since game six of the Tampa Bay series when this guy is just limping every single shift to try to get the job done. It's been to your point, you know, how quickly is he going to acclimate back on this team with so many new players? I mean, this is a different team than when Landeskog was on it uh, in previous years. So, you know, I I don't think if it's a failure on anyone's part if they do wait until the next season to see if he's ready to play again, just because that is a, a big expectation to put on a guy. But let's say the Avs feel like they're one player away, you know, from winning a cup. They're they're deep into their playoff run at that point, and and Landeskog has had a bunch of work with the team. I think that's the one scenario where you think, all right, like let's get him in the game if we feel like he's get the missing piece uh, to try to go win a championship. But anything short of that i mean you don't want to leverage the guy's future or his timeline for feeling 100 percent just because you're trying to win a few games unless it's the very last one of course all right so let's talk about uh right now the current team who's they're eight and two in their last 10 since that that weird loss at chicago three to two uh th- those losses were there's that eight four ugly loss to florida here at home and then that we- that weird overtime loss to arizona was that when they were up four nothing and 
lost. Was that correct? Yeah, yeah, they, they blew a big lead out in the desert. Yeah, so, but other than that, I mean, they've really been on a roll. So what's been kind of the keys of this recent winning streak? I mean, these against good teams, too. Yeah, I mean, I got to say, you know, usually we're like waffling back and forth on the yeah. podcast. The sky is falling. These guys are the best. They have sustained some really good play over the last 15 games. The point where now I can kind of see why the sports books still have the abs as, you know, their their number one pick right now to, to win the cup in terms of those those betting odds are concerned. They're a complete team that, that's finding different ways to win. Um, last night against the the Vegas Golden Knights, they shut them out. Gorgiev's second shutout of the year uh, where they shut down a very powerful offensive team uh, with strong forwards. And, and the forecheck has been so strong the way this team has played physical lately and, and they've also been able to go out and get four five six goals on on nights when you need it as well and um, I mean Nathan McKinnon's just driving the ship right now in, in ways that we haven't seen really in his entire career you know at the midway point of the season I think you ask around the league he is the guy that people are talking about for the Hart Trophy right now and it's not a surprise because all this winning stems from the way that he's playing and, and it's really been a joy to watch. Well, I mean, his point streak, his home point streak reached, what, 23 last night? Yeah, I mean, every every home game he's had a point in. So I, I my lead was he's worth the price of admission, and it's true. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's been it's been pretty surreal this year. He, he's been on another level, and I think, I mean, we've always talked about how great he is. He's got the giant contract. He, you know, he's – but th there just seems to be something just a little different with him this season. I think so, and I, you know – I, I remember Nate last year getting the question a lot, like, what do you have to change now with that Landeskog's out of the lineup to to be a better leader or do what you need to do? And he was always quick to say, hey, I don't need to change anything at all. I, I just got to be me. But when I look at the way that he's playing right now, I do see a change in him like being extra Nate, right? Like 110% Nate, like he's not doing things that we haven't seen him do before, but we've never seen him do it this consistently to where it's every night. You're just like, well, of course, McKinnon's on the score sheet. You know, he he's involved in pretty much everything good that the abs are, are doing on a nightly basis. And he's just playing so angry as well. Right. I mean, there, there's several games where he's blowing guys up in the neutral zone, you know, not letting uh, opposing teams, you know, connect on easy passes uh, in ways that, you know, he can't, he can't play like that every game, but on nights when McKinnon feels like the team needs it, you know, he's willing to step up and, and be that guy. So, um, you know, anyway, you slice it, he's the leading candidate for MVP. I, I think he's second in, in points right now overall in the NHL. Um, and let's just hope he can stay healthy because that to me is the only thing that could derail the season for him uh, and the way that he has this team playing. Uh, Cause yes, you know, the, the abs are still top heavy. They're, they're still not a team that's relying on, on true depth to win games, but it doesn't matter when you got Nathan McKinnon, right. And, and the way that the abs are, you know, I think second overall in, in, in the Western standings behind the Winnipeg jets right now, um, you know, they're in great position because of Nate. And, you know, we've talked about this in the past with McKinnon is, He's not a vocal leader, but he is a definitely lead by example. Look at me, be like me kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. And I've enjoyed watching that, just the the little habits. You know, him and Jonathan Drouin are so close, uh, you know, good friends going back to their juniors days. And if you watch Avalanche warmups, those two are the last two guys on the ice pretty much every single game. They're, they're getting shots in. It's Drouin getting rhythm shots to McKinnon, who's slapping them into the net. Um, you know, these guys like working together and they enjoy working hard and, and McKinnon sets that standard. Right. And, and 
here we see Drew Ann having a, a career year himself, and that shouldn't be a real surprise with the way that Nate is playing and the way that those two guys play off of each other. But yeah, just uh, the, all, all the little things that Nate does are, are really shining through right now. Well, and you just brought up Drew Ann. I wanted to ask you, the Avs stole him. Like that was the yeah. start of the offseason. Right. right. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because if you're another GM in the league, you might think, oh, why didn't we do this? But he then you should also think – Right. Yeah. He, he wouldn't have this sort of run without playing with a guy like McKinnon getting these top line minutes. Um, you know, maybe Drew Ann could be as productive as he is right now playing beside guys who are extremely good. I mean, we'd be remiss to say that's not a big reason why he's playing well when your line mates are, are some of the best players in the world, but it's their chemistry, right? So yeah, let's say the devils or, you know, one of these other young contenders, you know, maybe they go out and sign him. One, I don't think that they would give him as much trust that the Avs did right away, giving him those top line minutes and letting it ride early in the year when it wasn't always perfect when Drew Ann was in those situations. But now, even with Arturi Lekkinen coming back, uh, we think in the next couple of weeks here or so, uh, I would expect Drew Ann to stay on that top line and Lekkinen to join that second group of Val Nachushkin, who's been playing unbelievable, to really give that team a little bit more balance and depth. And that's a credit to Drew Ann. Uh, who's earned that, you know, he's, he, he's not getting ice time because he's McKinnon's buddy. He's getting ice time because he's a really good hockey player. And you just mentioned the Chuskin who's been on his own kind of heater here lately. Um, you know, you asked Jared Bedmar if he should be an all-star, you know, McKinnon's an all-star, McCarr's an all-star. You could talk about Miko. You could, you know, so what about the Chuskin though? Cause he's been, I mean, he scored last night, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, he scored twice and, and, you know, there's limited spots for the all-star game. It's a wonky system where every team has to have one representative. So it kind of like shifts the pool where deserving guys aren't going to get in on the first try. Like we assume Kale McCarr is going to get voted in, but right now Nathan McKinnon is the only guy who's actually on the all-star team from the abs. But yeah, I mean, is, is Val forcing his way into that conversation? And that's what I asked Bednar and, you know, I, I wasn't surprised by the answer, but it was no hesitation. Yes, this guy's an all-star. I mean, watch the way he plays. And, you know, he it was a caveat. Jared, you know, it's, it's tough. You're splitting hairs. There's other guys at his position who are really good in this league, two-way power forwards, you know, 200-foot guys. Um, but, yeah, the way that Val has stepped up to be that Landeskog, who's, you know, in front of the net getting those gritty goals, but also setting up his teammates. He's creative on the rush. He's an excellent passer. Um, he's doing all the things that you figure an all-star does for a team like the Avalanche, you know, another cup, cup contending team. Um, so I think it'll be tough. Uh, you know, the name recognition among fans might not be as high. And this is a fan vote that gets those last guys in. But the fact that Val's forced his way into the conversation and, and you know, now that we have Jared Bednar on record, essentially endorsing him, it'll be real interesting to see, you know, if his name rises a little bit uh, when we get those final vote totals uh, from the fans uh, before the All-Star game. Uh, the bidding, beginning of February here. You, you can't trust the fans to vote for anything. Yeah, I can't trust any <laughs> online vote ever, too, no, right? No. I don't know. I feel like those things can be swayed. Oh, so I mean, All-Star games, they got to reformat and figure out a way to make them work. It's nice to have the fans involved, but the best deserving players should be there. And, you know, if McKinnon, Makar, and Rantanen, and or Nichushkin aren't there, I don't know if that's the best list, uh, you know, of them all. So we'll see what happens. All right, so let's talk about this upcoming road trip. It is a, it's a big one. Five, uh, five games or six games? Five games. Five, five um, games, yeah. Uh, three uh, through Canada to start: Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, and then through Boston and Philly. This is going to be a pretty tough stretch for the Avs coming up. It is. It is. They've been such a good home team this year that it's overshadowed some of the 
you know, eggs that they've laid on the road this season. And it's not going to be easy going into Toronto, going into Montreal. Um, Ottawa has been struggling. I'm, I'm looking forward to that Boston game in the TD garden. Um, I'll be on that road trip working on a story about Jim Montgomery, a former DU coach who has the Bruins just humming uh, after winning the Jack Adams award and then finishing off against a Flyers team that's in rebuild mode. And, and the Avs should be favored in that one. But yeah, I, I think for a, a team that wants to prove that it's a truly elite, you know, number one seed contender, they've got to go on this trip and at least get three or, or four out of five to, I think, to really keep that momentum rolling. You know, the abs have, have done a good job over the last month or so of avoiding these big, long losing stretches. Um, the games they have lost have been some head scratchers. You know, we brought up the, the overtime loss in Arizona, but that's one blip on an essentially, you know, really good stretch here. Um, outside of that eight to four Panthers loss at home, the Panthers who, you know, are on a hot streak themselves. So yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I do think that uh, there's still some big questions on this team. Ryan Johansson's ice time just continues to fall. You know, he's not the team's second line center, I think, of the future. That's that's pretty clear at this point. Um, there's a good chance, I think, the Avs look in the free agent market before the trade deadline to try to bolster their roster to to be aggressive. But let's see. Let, let's give Ross Colton a little bit of run here and, and, and see if he can, uh, you know, hold on to that second C spot uh, and thrive. You know, he's, he's shown a, a lot of promise as a guy who's a, a crasher, who can be real aggressive. Uh, but when you're a center, you have a lot more on your plate, and it seems like his game has slowed down a little bit uh, since coming off the wing. So uh, a lot of storylines to follow. But I mean, for nitpicking this roster right now, uh, you know, this team is a wagon. They're they're rolling, and and I just think the the rest of the league can see that that the Abs are for real right now. Yeah, the Abs are just nine and seven on the road, but still, I'm, I'm sure that could that'll probably get better as it goes along. Right, exactly. And that's early in the season. Some weird it was a, in there, like a little said. road heavy. They've been at home for so long. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a good test. And um, I know these guys like going on these, these Canada swings. Real quick before we go, did we see this Winnipeg thing coming? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's wild to to see how well they're playing, and and it's a credit to the coaching staff up there. You know, Connor Hellebuck, Hellebuck uh, is is a you know elite goaltender, and I think it shows when you have you know one of maybe three guys in the league who are truly the best at their position at goaltender, they can win you a lot of games. So I'll, I'll be curious to see if they can withstand it. Just being that. They're not a traditional winner in this league yet, but um, I do enjoy seeing a little bit of parity and, and some new teams, um, you know, contending with the avalanches as some of the best in their division and in the conference. Well, yeah. Cause you've got Vancouver over there in the Pacific too. That I don't think anyone really expected that from them either. Right. Right. Similar blueprint, you know, Quinn Hughes is, is their stud defenseman who's kind of cut in that Kale McCarr form and, and, and leads them offensively in a lot of ways. And, and yeah, just so to see them kind of have a similar way of, of getting things done. It's not surprising, especially at the abs uh, after they won their cup. All right, Kyle, thanks for coming on and talking some ads with me. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on Apple or Spotify. You can also see us on YouTube. Um, these podcasts are also over there. Uh, make sure to check out all of Kyle's abs coverage on denvergazette.com. And Kyle, we will try to catch up uh, after the road trip. Absolutely. We are going to switch gears. Uh, we talked uh, Colorado Avalanche in the first segment of this podcast. Now we're going to switch over to the Denver Nuggets. So I'm joined by Vinny Benedetto, who, you know, Vinny, you and I haven't talked in a while. A lot has happened in Nuggets world. Yeah, a lot has gone on. It's been uh, plenty of good, bad, and a lot of in-between last couple weeks. Yeah, so I think I'm just going to go ahead and start with 
what happens when this team goes to Utah? I don't know. It's like, you know, the the bad pizza that Jordan got in the playoffs <laughs> 25 years ago is is the Nuggets pregame meal in Utah every time they go there. You know, and it was, you know, last night's game, they lose 124 to 111. Uh, it didn't even feel that close. I, I, I don't know, like, I don't know how you got, but I, I got the sense, like, from the first quarter, I'm like, they're just not going to win this game tonight. Yeah, Utah started like five of seven from three, and it was it just felt like one of those nights where, you know, the the Nuggets took it felt like pretty decent shots, but they just didn't go. Whereas Utah was, you know, getting good shots and making them. Just wasn't wasn't the Nuggets' night last night. And, and it's crazy to think that the only win that the Malone era has had in Utah is when they had the seven guys, the fate, the great seven or whatever, however we remember yeah. that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they should have left a couple of those guys at home last night. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about more positive stuff. Um, it has been a little bit of a weird stretch for the Nuggets. You know, they uh they got blown out at home by OKC, uh, but they did beat Golden State in that game with with Jokic's game winner. Um, but then they lose the next night in with Orlando at home. So, I mean, what has kind of been going on? It's just kind of been up and down here for about the last six seven games. Yeah, and it's like Nikola Jokic has been consistently pretty great, and his number two has, has changed on the given night. It's like, we've seen Jamal Murray have really good games. And then other nights he hasn't been uh, very efficient or, or, or hasn't been making very good decisions. Um, the, you know, we've revisited Michael Porter Jr.'s fourth quarter shots, or, you know, there, there have been a few more games where he, he has, it feels like he has 10 points late in the first quarter and he's finishing games with 14 or 16 points. It felt like there was a stretch where, you know, they were kind of letting him cool off after hot starts. Um, I think, you know, as we, we touched on a little bit before recording, you know, Aaron Gordon was in and out of the lineup there first stretch. Um, so just, you know, it feels like there's there have been a few different issues that have popped up over the last couple of weeks uh, a, a few different times. You know, and not to uh, say this to, around Aaron Gordon, but these are kind of the dog days of the NBA season. Yeah, we were talking to Michael Malone a couple of, uh, probably about a week ago, and he was like, you really have to, compartmentalize the NBA season like it, it's the start of the season then you make it to Christmas um and now it's the the next part of the season is Christmas to all-star break so it's like now you're just kind of you're you're hanging in until the all-star break and it's you know I don't think many of the nuggets will be too busy uh in the middle of February during the all-star break so it's like you just kind of got to uh get get through these next couple of weeks before you get a little bit of a break but yeah these are definitely the uh you know, kind of the toughest part of the season, probably physically and mentally, because it's, you know, the longest stretch without a, a little bit of a break. You mentioned the all-star break there, and, and there's been a little bit of a push for Jamal Murray again. Um, I mean, we know Jokic is going, who doesn't yeah. want to, but he's going. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I get the push for Jamal Murray, but I just think the numbers are against him. Yeah, and I mean, it's, he's not, you know, the second round of fan voting was released this morning. He's still not in the top 10 uh amongst western conference guards and then i mean we've done this a few times where you start naming the locks as far as western conference guards and it just gets real real crowded real quickly then you factor in the amount of games he's missed and you know then this last week it's like there have been a few games where he absolutely looks like an all-star and then there are other games you know kind of like last night where it's the numbers just aren't there yeah, and, you know, last night you could tell it was one of those weird nights where he – I don't know if he was forcing it, but he was really – like he'd drive in the lane and there was like three guys and he'd just throw it and it, it, he seemed a little off. I mean, again, maybe it's just Salt Lake City. I don't know. 
Yeah, and it just feels like since he came back from the hamstring and ankle injuries, he played really well for a stretch, and it was like he really wanted to make sure that he was able to continue that stretch. Like, wasn't – I wouldn't say forcing it, like you said, um, but – he was just adamant about trying to to continue a stretch of strong play and not necessarily just making the right play every time, I guess. Um, yeah. So let's go, I want to go back to circle back to Michael Porter Jr. there. Cause you had a story about, you know, those hot starts and then he just kind of, I don't know. You don't even know if he's on the court or not. What yeah. do you just think like the nuggets were lying too much on the two man game late in the game? Or is it just kind of, I mean, I know sometimes Malone takes, MPJ out for defensive purposes. There was that yeah. one game when did Peyton Watson close the Golden State game? Was that that game? I, that feels yeah, because Mike was on the bench um, when Peyton hit that yes. Peyton's corner three with a couple minutes left was a a really big spark. And but and then I think people were really encouraged by Mike's reaction on the bench where he was up clapping, smiling. Not some of the the body language we've seen before when he hasn't closed games. So, I mean, is this kind of just who Michael Porter Jr. kind of is? Like, he's that – I still remember the playoffs a couple of years ago when they didn't have anybody but him and Nikola yeah. Jokic, and he scored like 25 points in the first quarter against Portland. Yeah. Um, he just kind of seems to be that kind of player. And and I don't know, maybe maybe he's just not getting open late. Yeah, and I, I think the biggest part of it and, – and Mike was really good when he talked about this. Um, I think it was after the Orlando game was when – he, yeah. he was asked about it um, and, and he made a, a couple of, of pretty good points. And I think the first one is that the way they play in quarters one through three and the fourth quarter, especially in close games is different because to your point, they rely so heavily on the two man game and they're so comfortable with that where it's just like the safest option. It's second nature that they just kind of fall into relying on Jamal and Joker two man game. Um, but I think the next evolution of that is, I think the two-man game would be even harder to guard if they mixed in an MPJ dribble handoff. Like yeah. you can, I, there, there's an element of um, MPJ Joker two-man game that I think could could elevate this even further because when you know when you're running a dribble handoff with Joker and MPJ, a defender's got to really make a decision to you know go over the the handoff and and stay with Porter or you know if he goes under it should be an uncontested three for MPJ. And we've seen, you know, how, how deadly he can be if you, if you give him open shots like that. So I think there, there should be a little bit more of an emphasis, especially when he's starting games, you know, five or seven from the field and three or four from deep to, to keep him involved because he's such a talented shooter that it's, you know, kind of a waste when he, when he gets uninvolved late in games. Well, and then last night was weird because they, they mentioned this on the broadcast, and I'm sure you said, didn't he not take his first shot till like, the second quarter? That feels it was, right. It was yeah. late. Yeah, it, it was a weird. So well, let's, do, let's do something more positive. And, and again, I want to uh, say that the Nuggets are one game out of the top spot in the Western Conference. So, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and the the schedule is going to get a little more favorable for Denver. Malone has, <laughs> has mentioned it a few times where it's like, we've played nine back-to-backs and – uh, you know, like Minnesota and OKC have combined for like four back to back. So, um, you know, it's not like the rest of the Western Conference is running away from no. from Denver. Um, the the schedule is going to get more favorable. Nuggets had the shortest offseason, so you know there there are little blips that I think can be concerning. But there's there's no need for people to to overreact to a couple losses in in December and early January. 
Yeah, so I, I want to ask you, we've seen a lot of Nikola Jokic game winners. What, what do you rank that one last week? Oh, it's got to be up there. Uh, it's got to be top two. Like, um, just the the improbability of it. Yeah. Like, you know, and watching it live, I was just kind of like, they had they had more time to get off a better shot than that, and then it was like, okay, well, <laughs> yeah. That, but yeah, that's got to be up there. You know, I I remember last season he hit that one against Orlando. I was at that game as a fan with my family actually, and. That was one of those two where like nothing is happening. He's just at the top of the key, and it's one of those. I'm just going to shoot it, and he just yeah, shoots, gonna, and it goes in. Yeah, just take a step back three. Yeah, yeah. I think it was over Paulo. Maybe even it was it was ridiculous. Yeah. So and so so this upcoming schedule for them a little bit. Uh, they're they're home New Orleans on Friday, another uh, ESPN game. Then yeah. Indiana, and then they head out on the road for a pretty tough East Coast trip. Yeah, and yeah, this is gonna be really really interesting because the. Pelicans are playing great ball. Like they've yeah. just blown out. I think the Warriors and the Suns in the last couple of games and are and are, are streaking a little bit. Um, and I think they're they're sneaky a really tough matchup for the Nuggets. They've got a lot of different defenders um, on on the perimeter and inside. And then we get Bruce Brown's ring night. And oh, yeah. uh, if Ish Smith's ring night was any. Uh, any sign like I think the Nuggets have kind of struggled on I mean there's only been a few of them but Jeff Green's ring night Ishmith's ring night it feels like they have at least struggled to start those games um just with you know all the emotions and they all talk about how close that group still is um but yeah and then that 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 road trip is a beast um Philly Boston are, are on there so there's going to be uh plenty Plenty more points of conversation to be had in the next seven or so games. Yeah, and those, both those games are nationally TV, television, too. So, and that's how it starts the trip, the Tuesday in Philly and then the Friday in Boston. That's And, you know, Boston beat Minnesota last night in a great game, actually. Yep. So, um, you know, you mentioned Bruce Brown there. How about that? Emer- how, how do you feel about the emergence of Peyton Watson? He seems to be getting more and more trusted as the season goes on. Yeah, like we knew – there were a few things we knew about Peyton coming in the season that like, you know, he's this, the, the defensive potential was super high. Um, but I think this year, like his three point numbers in the last yeah 10 or 15 games have to be pretty high. And I think that's gotta be, um, if that's sustainable, if he's able to, to become, you know, a 35% three point shooter, um, that elevates his ceiling to a pretty wild place. Um, and he's, I, you know, as him closing games has indicated, he's quickly gained Michael Malone's trust where, um, you know, early in the season, if you told me the Nuggets make a, a, you know, a change to their closing lineup to add more defense, I think a lot of people, myself included, would have said, hey, Christian Brown is going to be that guy that's going to be in closing games. But um, this year when Malone has looked for more defense to close out close games, he's going to Peyton Watson. I think that's just a statement of, of how far he's come in a really short time. You know, I already saw some trade deadline talk on some websites, but they really can't do – I don't think there's anything they can do, to be there's, honest. Yeah, certainly I wouldn't expect any big moves. No. I don't think you you mess up the starting five. Um, and then it gets down to – it's going to be really tough to make a significant upgrade. Just They don't have any of those, like, middle-sized contracts right. on, on guys that are kind of – trade friendly or, or guys that they're looking to trade. 
you know, the Zeke Naji contract from the summer complicates things. A lot of people, you know, mentioned him as a guy who could potentially be involved, but um, given his contract situation and um, I, I just don't know what his value is to yeah. other teams. I'm sure they're there. I mean, he's still young still promising, but you know, this year I don't think has, has boosted his value significantly. So um, yeah, maybe a small move or two, but there there's nothing glaring right now that, that feels like um, feels like an, an easy solution. Well, and they probably roll into the playoffs with the starting five and then eight guys. Like, you know, was it probably Christian Brown, Peyton, and Reggie Jackson? That's probably the eight. Yep. I mean, like, I mean, last year we saw Aaron Gordon was the, the backup five. And, you know, unless they they get matched up with a team like Utah where they're bringing Walker Kessler off the bench, if that's still the case, maybe you need to include a DeAndre Jordan there, but – yeah, that, that top eight, I think, right now is pretty secure. Well, I'll still remember DeAndre Jordan's game five in the finals minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he play like five minutes or something like that? I yeah, there was there was foul trouble, <laughs> and he came in and, you know, he didn't screw it up. Right, you know, right. I think that's the, the most important thing for whoever's backing up Nikola Jokic in those. I mean, in the playoffs, we're talking about eight to ten minutes where he's not going to be on the court. Right. So. Right. So, so what do you think about the Western Conference so far? It is a jumbled mess there at about the top six. Yeah, and you know, I've I've heard a lot of people say they feel like the West is a lot better this year than it has been in the you know than last year. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I think the top four right now are really strong. You know, with Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Denver, and the Clippers, I think are four teams. Um, I think Minnesota, Denver, and the Clippers could all represent the Western Conference in the finals. I don't, you know, I think Oklahoma City is just a year away experience-wise. Um, and then I, I don't know about the the bottom half yeah. of the playoff picture. Like, I've never been a big Dallas guy in terms of, I just don't know how well that style of play uh, lasts in the playoffs. Um, and then you've got, is Phoenix going to figure it out? Are they going to be healthy? Golden State and, and the Lakers, you know, those are three teams a lot of people, you know, that had had high expectations for at the beginning of the season, but I think they all just have those are the teams that have the the glaring weaknesses that, you know, I think all three of those teams are now uh do they get involved in a Pascal Siakam situation or Zach Levine? Are are those the kind of moves that that could elevate or I think those are the kind of moves we're talking about that would need to be made for for one of those three, you know, kind of older teams to to really factor into the Western conference race going forward. Yeah. And you know what I, like you said on earlier, um, don't discount New Orleans. If they're healthy, they give the nuggets all kind of trouble. Yeah. It, it, you know, <laughs> we saw people, you know, last year for a lot of the playoffs, it was, Oh, Jamal Murray struggles with the the size and length of some of, you know, like the Nikhil Alexander walkers, yeah. um, you know, and Herb Jones is like the prototypical yeah. taller, longer defender that, that people like to throw at Jamal Murray in the playoffs. So if that, that matchup comes to fruition. He's, he's definitely a guy to watch and and we'll definitely see him some tomorrow night. Yep. And like, like we said, there's, they're one game out of the top spot. You know, do you think home court means as much this year to them? No, I, you know, cause I think that championship run gives you a lot of confidence and, you know, they, they won a road game at least one in all four series last year. Yep. Um, so I think this team is very, comfortable kind of in its own skin 
knows it can go on the road and win. You know, obviously home court would be great because they are they were so good at home as well last year in the playoffs. Um, but you know, I think as long as I think as long as they finish top four, you got to feel yeah. pretty good about where you're at. Um, obviously, the more home court advantage, the better. But yeah, I think I think top four, and you got to feel pretty comfortable. They also play Minnesota three more times still this season. So that'll, that'll be interesting to see. You know, Minnesota blew them out. What was that like the eighth game of the year? It was pretty early in yep. the season. So that'll be interesting to see them match up. All right, Vinny, thanks for coming on and talking some nuggets with me. Uh, make sure we subscribe to this podcast on Apple or on Spotify. Uh, you can also catch us on YouTube as these are posted on YouTube as well. And make sure to read all of Vinny's nuggets coverage on denvergazette.com. And Vinny, we will catch up again later. Sounds good. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Denver Gazette podcast. Make sure to visit denvergazette.com for all your local news on Broncos, Rockies, Avalanche, Nuggets, and much, much more. We'll talk to you next time.